Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fillery Podcast, your one-stop shop for failed ventures and failed founders, and more importantly, the lessons you can learn from them. I'm your host, Brandon Hidoko, and today we are joined by Zal Daster, the current COO and co-founder at Lucep, software to help you turn your social networks into lead engines and increase your overall ROI from digital marketing. Zal was also previously the head of marketing at Venumir, a startup based in Bangalore. In this episode, Zal and I discuss the hospitality industry, the conversion that needs to happen from online to offline sales, the startup ecosystem in Bangalore, as well as how your mother-in-law could help you nail a job interview. Stay tuned, and thank you again for listening. This podcast episode wouldn't have been possible without the help of our friends over at Acadium, the platform that connects founders and startups with marketing students for three-month internships. No matter what kind of business you're running, there's a big chance that you need a hand with marketing and sales. Acadium provides a cheap solution for that. For only $299, you get a three-month partnership for interns and virtual assistants. The best part of it all is that they're offering a $50 discount for all of Failery subscribers. Redeem this now at failery.com slash get slash Acadium. Once again, that's failery.com slash get slash Acadium. I'm very excited to have Zal Daster on the podcast. Hello, Zal. Hey, how's it going? It's good. It's good. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you too. <laughs> well, yeah. So Zal is the current COO at Lucep. And previously he did, he was the head of marketing or if, correct me if I'm wrong, but head of marketing at Venumir. He's originally based or he's based out of Singapore and Bangalore. And he graduated out of the University of Melbourne in 04 with a degree in poli sci. Is there anything I missed in that that you'd like to pepper in? Like any details that I missed that you'd like to pepper in, Zell? No, no, that's, yeah, probably quite accurate. <laughs> okay, perfect. So yeah, so I just like to just jump in. But so post-grad, from what we have, you worked across like lots of industries, which is like it went from like, you know, mortgage to like sports, et cetera, et cetera, before you started on the founding team of Venumir in Bangalore, India. So I'd love to just talk about that. What made you made the switch from, you know, working in industry to working in or like working at your own startup? Well, you know, truth be told, that was that was quite a funny story. I don't think I really had any desire or particular goals at that point to start my own company. I was working in a sports marketing agency in Singapore. And what happened was literally, I think I was out one night, probably had a few too many drinks. <laughs> As one should. Well, you know, just just happens. <laughs> And one of my very, one of, one of my oldest friends called me up and he was saying that he was going to quit his job in London working for Accenture and he was going to move to Bangalore and he was going to start this project there and he wanted to know if I wanted to come with him. And he needed to know in an hour, otherwise he was potentially going to give the job to somebody else. So, you know, I, I, I had to make a pretty quick decision that, uh, at some point to basically, I think I was, you know, I must've been like 23 or 24 and probably I'm sure that I called up my parents and asked them if, if everything, you know, goes horribly wrong and completely collapses, then do I at least, can I come and stay in the house and can I come and have, can I have food? You know, can I eat and can, no, I, absolutely. can I live? <laughs> and so when, when they said yes, I basically then, okay, thought, okay, fine. Like what? why don't I give this a try and go and then I ended up living in India for, for two years trying to run that business. And this is a very, very interesting time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. And I guess I'm curious, was the job 
in you know you were doing the sports are you working at a sports company and the job that you were working with your friend Accenture like the startup that you were working with your friend in in India were they like similar roles or like did why did why did he choose you well I mean I no I don't think it had anything to do with a particular skill set I think that like what my job at that point was a lot of like account management and some sort of a, some a little bit of sales and i think basically just my partner at that point who's who's kaish who's a very you know old dear friend of mine needed somebody that he could probably trust and someone he like that could handle the the front end the the the, the sales side of the business and so that's what 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 i was just going to go do but i don't think it was really related to my current job sure, sure. yeah and this is has you have you ever like lived in India before or like was this your first time in India? So I I mean, you know, great question. I I'm Indian, but <laughs> yeah. I up until that point I had never actually lived in India. I had been there, you know, obviously for vacations and to visit family and and things like that, but had never actually like had a home or lived there. So th- this was my first experience of of actually living and and sort of existing in India as well, which was quite Mm-hmm. unique mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this became or i mean I, i'm just curious like what was the experience like you know you're with like loose up now in singapore what was the i guess if you could juxtapose like two experiences what was the you know being a quote-unquote founder like being a startup founder in india like so i mean the the, the i think that the the first thing and the like the most noticeable thing especially because you know, even at Lucep, we, we still have an office in Bangalore. So we, we sure, spent sure. Uh, a, a lot of time over there. And I think, you know, when, when we started this company, it was like 2009, 2010, around there. And so like, you know, about 10 years ago. And at that time, I think, it, you know, it might be hard to imagine now because India is such a strong sort of software and, and, and startup center. But at the time... There, there really wasn't, there was a lot of lo- big tech companies. So your Accentures, your Microsofts, your HPs, they all had large offices in Bangalore. But especially from like a startup sort of space, there really wasn't that. Like the big, the big Indian companies now, uh, one which is Flipkart. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. The, the, you know, these guys, I remember Flipkart like had just started in our second year snap deal another large one hadn't even started so the 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 sort of level of trust and i think that's the most important thing the the amount of trust or the amount of comfort in doing business online there was a really huge change yeah huge huge change in the last 10 years so i mean that's what i would see as being like the biggest difference was both from a business and a consumer point of view whether there was trust in whatever this thing called the internet was. I mean, you know, a story that I, I, I really, I tell a lot whenever we talk about it is that I, uh, on more than one occasion when we were hiring for jobs, you would have the person's mother or even potentially their mother-in-law come in for a job interview. And, you know, you're trying to sort of understand the qualifications that the, the candidate has and their you have some, you know, usually like an elder relative asking you questions about the company because, you know, they, <laughs> they, they, they don't know what this startup thing is. They've never heard of, they've never heard of you. They don't know who you are. Like, you know, there, there are a lot of these sort of teething issues. And that was just on the, that was just on the internal side. When you're dealing with clients, you know, 
credit cards, the penetration rate was probably much, much less than it is now. And, and even now, it's probably much less than it is in most developed countries. And so even trying to get payments and there were, there were a lot of, there were a lot of issues. So I think just the infrastructure, the trust, the, the ability to understand like the, the internet and technology and what that offers. I think that's probably the biggest. Difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just curious. You talk about it with like such vivid detail. How much would you say, you know, that you said this was like 2008, 2009, how much would you say that has changed to today? I know you guys have, or Lucip has like, you know, offices in Bangalore. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I, I, I you know, we don't have uh, people, uh, you know, now asking you a question about what a startup is. And then I think there, there's just a much larger acceptance that the way to do business is online. And, and then yes, the, the product and the, the business that we have uh, changed to with uh, Lusa is, is a, is a totally different business. However, ironically, and without any, without any, I would say like predetermination, they're both in this, in the, in the lead industry, which is, you know, for us is like, yeah. is like gener- generating leads online and distributing them to, to businesses that are offline because there is something that is inherently missing and 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 still probably in in a lot of industries you know where the where there is a large ticket item or whether there is where there is a a long term commitment to a product people people like to to engage with a with a salesperson and i think you know our business at the time in india it was very focused around weddings and conferences so you needed to have the hotel involved because you no one's booking like a a wedding entirely online. It's just not happening. Sure. And so, so I thought the thing there's, there, there are still some parallels that, that we can draw of obviously places where we feel there is still room for technology to optimize and improve the current situation, particularly for customers. And I think being able to, 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 to give customers the right feedback and to, to get them engaged with the right people in the, in the organization how much that benefits and enhances the sales process. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I hope, is it still the norm that, you know, candidates, mothers-in-law will still come and like ask you about no, startups no, when you're... No, we don't. <laughs> we, 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 we don't see that. In fact, the, the, I mean, there's a, the, the, the change, especially in terms of like acceptance. Startup acceptance, uh, right, right. Startup acceptance and the fact that, you know, now, now everybody wants to sort of start their startup. And, and, and I'm always very amazed that when I go to, to India and I, and I watch the ads on, on the television there, I would say like 60 to 70% of them seem to all be for dot-com businesses mm-hmm. or tech sure. businesses, you know, yeah, and that wow. just swing in 10 years seems, uh, it, it seems very impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I hope not to like, just to like go off a tangent of what you said, but you know, did you, I guess like watching TV, you know, and you see all these people advertising dot coms. Did you ever, I guess, did you ever see yourself becoming a founder out of college or did you, you know, when did you know that you wanted to do, I guess, like devote your time into startups versus like just working in industry? I mean, that, so that probably came at the, uh, at the end of, of, of this little journey, the, 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 the journey that I was on in India, because I mean, basically, I think as all first-time startup founders, you know, will know that your cash is, is, is really king. And I think the time, you know, one of the things that I'm very aware of is that we also, you know, we really didn't know much about, and there wasn't much industry or space or scope for learning, I guess, as well. Like, you know, we, we ran out of money 
as 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 you know, most startups will tell you, cash flow is the most important thing. And we did a we did a small friends and family round, and then when we ran out of money, we then had to think about okay, what what is it that what is it that we we can do now that we if we don't have if we don't have the money to to run the business, and then coming back to Singapore, I had to then decide sort of what what kind of a job or a career would I be looking for, and I think that's the the first time when I thought, okay, well, actually, I kind of like that experience, sir. Yeah, I, I kind of liked it. I, I I went and I and I worked again. It was with a small a boutique digital marketing agency here in Singapore, where I was doing like business development and sales, and they brought me on as sort of like a partner there. And I think I could see that well, well, maybe if it wasn't, it didn't necessarily have to be a startup per se, but you know, definitely the idea of being involved in business and as a partner and being able to make decisions that that could impact the business definitely to me seem like just a more interesting path. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I we're, we've just been like you know talking or like talking about this entity for a long time. But if I'm correct, this is Venumir that we're talking about. This like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Venumir. That's what that's what I was doing in India at the time. Perfect. And this was like you and Kaishfora. And yeah, if you had to. I have a like you know very very put together description here, but if you had to describe a you know to a, like a ten year old what Benny Mir did, what would you say? I mean, if I had to describe it to a ten year old, I would just say that we <laughs> help we, we you know we help people find their best locations for weddings or conferences or meetings. I mean, it, you know, India being India and the market the way that it was, we ended up our our biggest business driver turned out to be weddings. So although we originally thought we were going to be like a conference and venue right, and like meetings mm-hmm. and for meetings and things. And basically what we were doing is we were, we were taking and, and sort of copying what was a very successful and understood model in, in like the, in like, for example, North America and Europe. And the idea was that we wanted to apply that to India. And we thought that there would be a lot of room for this. And, and, you know, I guess, there are some big dot coms, but I, I just I think we were we were we were very early in the market with Venumera. But the idea was just that we ended up becoming this big resource for helping people plan weddings and decide where they what location could accommodate you know what number of guests and and that turned out to become the the sort of niche that we ended up working in a lot. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And like just going past, you know, the 10 year old that we had to define your startup to, but like going on to like, you know, the big boy description, I fired up, you know, the Wayback Machine and Venumir. So like what I have is that Venumir is like a software solution to act like a quote unquote search engine for like guests or people who are looking for, I guess, like space in a hotel for banqueting and like weddings and conferences. Is that, that, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's basically like somebody is looking for information. And in this case, you know, the, the, the hotels don't be, have it, the, the hotels have it, but it's each on their own individual website. You know, there are some spaces there that we used to have, which were unique spaces that maybe you couldn't get on websites. And again, you know, this is, this is going back a, a little while. Right. So, and in fact, a lot of this stuff is not, is not even readily available now. It's very difficult because obviously running, running events is a very complex industry and a complex sort of job. And, and, and as a result, there are lots of moving parts. And so we ended up becoming this sort of basically a directory service for wedding planners and wedding organizers who would then come and use us to, to figure out, especially those that were not from India. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Or trying to, you know, people like there are a lot of Indians that live particularly in the UK or the US 
Canada, Australia, but they all wanted to get married in India, but didn't didn't exactly have the information or the knowledge where to go, what to do. They would use us and then we would, you know, introduce them to the to the hotels and, and run it like that. Mm-hmm. And then for the hotels parts, you would, you know, you, I guess, convert these leads into like you would tell the hotel sales team or like people about these leads or people who are searching for, you know, spaces for hotels? Yeah. I mean, I think that's really the, that's the trickiest part, right? The part was once we had gotten these leads, well, then how did we pass them on to the hotel in a way that made sure that we also benefited from that? And I think, you know, one of the difficulties, as I say, in, in, in working with not only in India, but in, in a lot of emerging markets is the, is the, is the lack of trust. Sure, and sure. So, you know, it, it, it seems like a very easy idea that, oh, you know, you just put in your credit card, but a lot of people don't have credit cards. A lot of people are, are used to paying on commission. They would do all kinds of things. You know, they, they would write the check and not put it in the mail, or they would, they would tell you that they were not paying commissions on the rooms and only on the F&B. Or, you know, there, there were lots of things that people can do if they don't want to pay. And I think that was our that was our biggest difficulty. Actually, we 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 were driving a lot of business to a lot of hotels, and you know they again they were, this is a low trust environment. So whenever you tell somebody, look, we we're not gonna if you don't pay us, we're not gonna send you any more. They'd just be like, okay, fine. You know, like there wasn't <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. there wasn't really a feeling of this is gonna be a big channel for me or, or this is gonna you know benefit me. It was yeah. So I mean, that, 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 uh, these are just difficulties that all sort of businesses mm-hmm. absolutely, I, I absolutely imagine deal with yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I guess like difficulties aside, you at your peak or like at Venny Mirrors, like most successful point, you got the chance to you know work with Hyatt, Novotel, Marriott. I guess I would love. I, I'm just curious. I would love to talk. I would love for you to talk about this a little bit more. You know, how did you? get access to these like top level clients or like what was the growth like? And like, I guess you talk about, you know, people or like hotels not really seeing venue mirrors becoming like a big channel for them. How did you go from there to like, you know, finessing or like leveraging your way into these top clients? I mean, you know, the, the easiest way for us to get these clients was that we would advertise their information like spaces. Yeah. Yeah. We put their properties on our platform. And then as soon as they, as soon as they got a lead, we'd call them up and we would tell them, Hey, somebody <laughs> that's using our platform is, is, is interested, interested in your, in your right, hotel. Right. And in order for you to access that, you've got to sign up and no, I'm here to talk you through that whole process and, 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 <laughs> and we'll sign you up and we'll get you on your way. And, you know, usually you were talking to some, I'm not, I wouldn't even say sales manager. You're talking to some sales guy, but if they had the the thought that there was a lead at the end and we could actually provide quality and, and, you know, our leads were a lot were genuine. They were, they were, they were, as in they were, they were quite high quality leads. People would sign up. So, so I mean, and, and also the biggest problem that we faced though was getting, once we sent these, it was like getting contracts negotiated for partner agreements and therefore, and getting the actual payments. Because for example, a lot of these hotels will tell you, okay, well we have, you know, three month payment terms. And you know, if that, that can maybe, if, if that takes any longer or whatever, it starts putting very serious implications on your, on your business's cash flow and your ability to pay your bills. 
and and we weren't talking big bucks here, right? You know, so but and so to not get that money was even was even harder. So I think that's that was the biggest difference. But otherwise, yeah, we I mean we we had more than two thousand hotels on the platform. We were driving sort of thousands of leads uh, on a monthly basis. It was it was I mean it was at the time it was quite successful. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And like just like I love to talk about that. You know, you're talking, you're generating, you know hundreds of leads a month and you say you use this like very very unique seo strategy i hope not to like you know open up your playbook or open up your like magic secret sauce of like how you get this but i would love to like know about a little bit more about how you got i guess people searching for hotels on your platform yeah i mean the it, you know i'm happy to talk about it because i don't think you can uh, i don't think you can do it on google at you know the way that the algorithm has changed mm, this and, was like and, 2008 2009 yeah very very hacky google yeah exactly and basically what we did is we just i think we owned at one point like 90 different domains Jeez, yeah and those domains were just like you know the best wedding hotel in bombay the best wedding hotel in delhi the you know we we we, we seo'd over all basically all, all of the these terms, terms yeah. Yeah. that we could and all of those sites were basically landing pages that led you back to our main database and our main site but when you ran a google search using those particular terms our com would come up and so, you know, we, we had a, we had a, as I said, the strategy was very unique at the time <laughs> and, it, and it worked for, for quite a while in terms of, of, of placements and, and getting traffic. So it was, you know, it was, it was good. I, as I, I, I think, in fact, I know that Google would see right through you if you did something like that. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. yeah. I hate to, you know, you know, make the magician reveal his tricks, but yeah. No, <laughs> Thank no, you so I much mean, for that's, that's like, you know, I'm sure everybody. Everyone was doing it back then. Well, no, also that everybody like is, is, is constantly trying to stay one step ahead of, of, of the SEO, whatever the, the biggest the impact search, of SEO right, is. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, from there, I hate to, you know, like turn on the rain shower, but from, I guess from the peak, you know, when you were like negotiating these contracts with these hotels and like you were getting, you know, hundreds of searches a month or like lots of users on your platform, I guess what other factors that like you haven't described led to, you know, venue mirror, like you kind of like seeing that venue mirror wasn't going to like last in the long run. So, I mean, as I said, I think we, we, we started to realize that we, it, it took us a very, very long time to settle on a pricing strategy. And, you know, we tried to many, many different types from commission to you know, just selling the lead and, and, and that being it. And, you know, we, we tried many different types before we actually came up on one, which actually was sort of made sense and, and worked quite well. But by that time, we really, I think, had run out of payroll. We had run out sure, of sure. funding. funding. And I think, you know, we also... I mean, we were a little naive. I think at the time we were, you know, you know, in our like 22, 23. And, you know, I think we calculated, okay, to, to keep this going for another year and a half or two years or whatever, we needed like another $100,000. And we went and spoke to a lot of the, a lot of the firms that were in India. Now at the time there were, I would say there were only maybe there, there was nowhere near the sort of funding scene there is now. There was like maybe 10 or 10 or 15 firms and, and many of them were very large. 
there were your Sequoias and your Accels and, and, and these kind of companies, which are very big in terms of, you know, they, they don't typically do seed investments. They don't typically do, you know, you know, all of these things that now seem so obvious, but at the time we didn't really know. And, and I think we, you know, we, we only spoke to maybe, if there were 15 people there, I think we, we, we got a chance to speak to 10 of them. And so when, when 10 of them said, you know, no, and, and for various reasons that they would have said it, whether they, they didn't believe and, you know, and I also think, you know, right, wrong time is just as bad as wrong product in, in many cases. And, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so, so, so that was just what happened. And we decided, oh, okay, well, I think this, this is probably not the best time for this. I think it was taken out of our hands. You know, had we had, had we, did we end up finding the funding? What we'd have done, who knows? But yeah, I think at the, at the time, we definitely thought that the, that we were onto something. Absolutely. It sounds like a very, very, you know, like sophisticated piece of software. And like you say that you were, you were caught ahead of your time in many respects. And there's a company, lots of companies today in the space that are doing, that are much later than you, but doing quite well today. I guess I want to transition this a little bit into like hospitality, you know, like with all the activity today and like, you know, Airbnb, Sonder, and like lots of legislative actions, you know, Marriott had to make a play in like Moxie homes and villas to capture, you know, the new millennial market, et cetera, et cetera. I guess where does, you know, lead generation and where does like sales tools come into play? Like, do you think there's a space today for like Venny Marriott to exist there? I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that there, if, if I was to Google like wedding venue finder, sure. I'm sure that there are, there are lots. And I think that the space, particularly for a hotel, is an interesting one because, you know, when you, when you look at the rooms, I think that's something that's very clear cut. That's very what people understand in terms of how the purchase process occurs. But when you go for anything that's not a hotel room, the, the whole purchase process changes and the, the number of sort of variables that are included in that purchase also change. And that adds complexity to the deal. And I think when you're doing things like that, it's the same as like if you're buying insurance or even a new car, you generally want to speak to somebody. I think, you know, the world is getting automated in a more certain way. Yeah, but it's getting automated for, for things that I feel can be and are easily, but there is still a lot of this space for people looking for higher value sales. And I think that when, when you do focus on things like high value sales, you want to make sure that there is a human there. There is somebody that can answer the questions, that can that can use their experience that can, you know, and I think that probably changes for uh, lots of people. I'm sure that there are lots of people that, you know, would love it if they go down to a bank and, and try to open an account, if that's done by a human. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that, you know, are happy to go online, fill in some, fill in a form, email their, you know, identification or whatever, and then, and then have their bank account open in that way. So I think, it, you know, depending on the product, depending on the person, but I think that the, the salesman, their job is to, is to ease that transition from the online to the offline. To the offline process, yeah. And I think, you know, nobody is buying anything or doing anything, you know, in this day and age without going online first, without doing some research, without Googling it, without, you know, asking their friends on Facebook and being able to connect with that, understand what somebody is looking for and then give them the information that they're looking for in a meaningful way that helps them make a that helps them make an informed decision i think that 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 role for a salesperson is is is, is probably going to be there for for a very long time mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely 
and the and then and then the tools that the salesperson will require will just change. So I think you know in that sense, like what whether how you connect that salesperson to to the to the online space that may change as technologies change and things change. But I do think that there still needs to be a human interaction with some sales. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah, thank you so much for answering. And then from Venumir, I guess like you guys ran out of funding, and then. What happened to Kaiser? Like, what happened straight after? I know you moved back to Singapore from India, and then yeah, yeah. So I mean, Kaiser did the same thing. I think he got a job at Credit Suisse. He was doing IT project management for 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 some of their real estate over there, and then I I went to work for this uh, digital agency. I think both <laughs> of us lasted maybe just over a year, or yeah, I would say something like that before we started working at this Singaporean SME where we basically developed the idea that would eventually become Lucep because we saw an inherent problem with that sales process. And it was similar to what I was talking about earlier, which is the disconnect between the sales oh, process yeah. and the and the salesmen that are that are there to do that job. And we saw that as a problem in the company that we worked for. And we thought if this problem exists here, it probably exists in a lot more in a lot more businesses. We thought we would take the risk and, and try to to sell that out to those businesses. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for segueing into our next topic. <laughs> but yeah, so Lucep, you founded it with like the same founder, Kaish at Venumir. If you I hate to do this to you again, but like if you had to describe, you know, what Lucep did in like very, very simple terms, not maybe to like a 10-year-old, but like in very simple terms, what is Lucep doing and like how is it I guess I'm curious, like, how is it different from what Venumir is doing? Like, is it like a different, you know, different software or how is it like, yeah, if you could talk a little bit. So, well, Lucep is a, it's a sales and marketing platform. So it's, it's, it's designed for any business to be able to plug in to their front end digital marketing channels. So like a website or a Facebook campaign, and then we connect leads that are generated through these platforms directly with sales guys within the organization. And we sort of, we, we make them compete for those leads and we make them respond very quickly to the customer. And so it's an app on the sales guy's phone that they, that they use kind of like Uber, where, you know, when a, when a, when a job comes out, they, they sort of compete for it. So similar to that. And we help businesses basically understand and generate a better ROI from their marketing and their sales initiatives through this. Yeah. So it's in the same, it's in the same industry, but you know, with venue mirror, we were very industry specific versus this, where it's like any website, any campaign. Yeah, exactly. Anybody that has field agents, any, any type of organization where, you know, we, we, we work with quite a large number. Mm-hmm. And just so I'm clear, you're making the sales guys from, the same company compete. So like I, you have like one of your clients here is, you know, Starwood hotels or like Jaguar Land Rover, you would make the sales guys from any of these companies like compete for the same client. Yeah. So the, so the idea is that they, that the sales guys who are working. So typically with car companies or insurance companies, you're talking about like the, the people at the dealership. Sure. So yeah. for, for a car company, it's like the, the dealership and insurance company that the agencies and what happens is that they are usually responsible for a particular territory or something like that. When a lead is generated, we can we have a, a smart lead distribution engine, which can gauge where should that lead go 
and which group of agents should we send it to? And then we will send it directly to that group and then make a specific group compete for that. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And you have... Just like in Venumir, you know, you have these like top clients, you have CBRE, just like from a handful that I have, you have Starwood Hotels, you have Jaguar Land Rover, you have Mercedes-Benz, and more than a thousand others. I guess I'm curious, you know, with like the advent of non-2008, 2009, you know, very hacky SEO, or like the, the secret sauce that you had in Venumir, how are you, how did you land these top clients? I mean, these, these types of clients usually come through a long, quite a long sales process. So, you know, we have a lot of SME clients that they kind of find us organically. But, you know, we, particularly when you're trying to work with a big, a big organization, they usually have very specific onboarding requirements. And so the process of, of you then having to show them the value of your product, of your tool, and why they should be using it. And yeah, so, so it, it requires, you know, we go to a lot of events we we try to, to to meet as many people as we can uh, on 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 a regular basis, but it's it's definitely it's very different than the sort of B two B to C world. This is far more like B two B. I would say. Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, I you know like I'm getting a lot of flashbacks because like I worked in the past at like a B two B company or like I interned this summer, and I guess it's the same process where you know you're collecting business cards and like you have like a very very long list of CRM and like the onboarding process is like super super long. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I guess what I'm curious about is like in Venumir where you talk about, you know, working with hotels and like their three-month payment cycles and it was difficult for you. And I guess in Lucep, you guys are also in the same position where you're, if I'm wrong, like correct me if I'm wrong, but like you're in between, you know, the consumer and the business that's trying to get a sales and like the salesman. Um, how are you, I guess, how are you fixing this problem that you faced in Venumir where you're, very scared on cash flow, and like I guess, what are you doing to address the pain points that you've faced in Venimir using Lucep or with Lucep? Well, I mean, in that situation, you know, it's just hotels. We're, right? Well, we're a SaaS company, and so as a result of being like a, a SaaS business, we we charge our customers an annual fee for using the license of the product, and that and that and that's you know that's pretty typical of most SaaS businesses, and to do that, that annual fee is charged usually upfront. So we we try to make sure that we get the the cash flow up front and that makes a really big difference because you know even as our our business we we're not a funded business so we've been going we we're we're a bootstrap company that's been going for you know i think 5 wow, years wow congratulations yeah yeah so, so you know for us it's it's particularly a sensitive sensitive nature because we don't have that vc money that can you know that can make such a difference so yeah we 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 charge a license model it's very straightforward and our, most of our customers, they, they, they will pay up front for that. So, you know, we, those are, yeah, you're, you're right in sense, some of the lessons that, that we have learned and, and trying to bring them into to, to action every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just curious. I hope this isn't like prying too much, but are you guys planning to raise or do you plan to be bootstrapped for like, I guess the rest of your period? I think, I think honestly, like right now we, we, we do think about raising every so often. And I think, you know, it's got a lot more to do with finding the right partner. Finding, I think we, you know, when when it comes down to it, if we were to look at somebody and say, okay, you know, the, this person is just going to give you a check, and, and you know, you're going to see them and not work. You're right, right? Well, well, you're going to see them four times a year at your at your AGM, and, and that's kind of it. They're not really going to help you. Well, then I think we'll say, okay, well, you know, we'd rather keep the equity and try to 
try to figure it out. But if you, you know, what we're, what would we, what we're looking for in an ideal situation is like, okay, well, you know, we can totally see how this person is going to put in money and by having them work with us, you know, the value of the company will, will increase like significantly just by being able to, you know, for example, the doors that they will open or the, 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 the contacts that they might bring. They can in, introduce or, you or, to. Or, right? Yeah. Sure. You know, and, and anything like that, even, even if it's like the guidance they can give you for the next round. Mm-hmm. Sure. So sure. It's, it, it really depends on the type of, uh, of people. But I think for now we'll probably be as, we'll probably be bootstrapped for, be as, lead, for yeah, as long, yeah, absolutely. As, long absolutely. as we can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And congratulations on that for like lasting, you know, five years still bootstrapped. I guess I hate to like bring it back, but is there any like lessons or like, it's okay if like, no worries if not, but like if there's any, you know, stories that you can tell or any lessons that you learned from Vinnie Because I, like, I hate to diminish the diminish or like your progress with Lucep or diminish your progress with Vinnie but it seems like both of you are, you're still tackling the same I guess the same problem where you saw it in the SME that you were working at with Kaish and then you're trying to still do it with Lucep. Is there anything that you're learning or anything that you learned from Venimir that you're trying to apply to Lucep that, you know, I guess like I'm knock on wood, but doesn't like push you guys to do the same fate? Well, I think, you know, the, I think the difference is when you learn from, especially from your past experiences, it's a, you know, you, you learn a lot of things, okay, about product or industry, but I think in more cases it's a, it becomes a lot more about like, how do you manage people? How, you know, because I think, you know, in Venumera, like I, I, I had never managed anybody and all of a sudden we had like six people or seven people to manage and doing that and understanding, you know, I think sometimes the, the biggest difficulty is understanding like, you know, who is the right fit to come into your company, especially when it is so small. And so therefore, you know, if you have, if, 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 if you know, one person out of five, is not a is not a team player or is not working so well. That's a big percentage of mm-hmm. your of no, your absolutely. entire sales yeah. force that's that's not yeah. that's not working. So I think I think the lessons that that we took away, particular or at least that I took away in particular from India and Venumera, probably had a lot more to do with managing people and like hiring the right people, hiring the right people, understanding like you know how things, what are the processes of things, you know, like for example, like getting the process of getting paid or the process of doing your, even things like your corporate having to go through security and legal approvals and, and, and these kind of things, which are, you know, these are things that not, not really the sexy mm-hmm. side of yeah, business, yeah, right? It's yeah. not the side that anybody writes about, but these are the sort of basic parts of doing business that people need to understand about. And like, you know, how it, so I think a lot of the a lot of the experience that I got in India definitely came with with, with managing people and trying to understand what you have to look for in that in that person. Yeah, that though that's probably more useful than 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 anything else I learned over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe on that topic, maybe it is time to bring back people's mothers in laws or mothers to get a good sense of like who they are as a person <laughs> before you hire them. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Is there like you know before I hope to not cross any boundaries, but is there any you know twenty twenty goals or anything in the future that you're excited about working with Lucep that you're you know very very excited about that you can share? I mean, you know, I think that the nature of being at a startup is that you're always kind of excited, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think two thousand and 2019 was quite it was quite a big year for us in terms of you know the, the product development and structuring of the company as well and so I think what we're what we're just hoping to do with, with 2020 is to to continue the, the the momentum that we have started in 2019 you know we deal primarily with sort of 
global insurance companies and, 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 and automotive companies. And those contracts can take, you know, you're talking 12 months, 18 months to close. So hopefully seeing that some of the, the seeds that we were sowing last year will come to fruition this year. I think that's the, that's the main goal and to make sure that we keep, keep working hard to, to see that happen. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Is there, I guess this is like a question that I'm still trying out, but is there any, you know, if you had to talk to Zell, you know, Zell and Kais from like 22, 20, or like who are 22 and 23 starting Venimir and like anyone who I guess is in your position in the future on like, I guess like, you know, failing fast or like starting their failed venture, anything, any advice that you could give them? Oh, I mean, that's a really good question, actually. I don't know. I would, <laughs> I would say, I, I would probably say like, you know, don't get, don't get so stressed out about it. I feel like, you know, when you're, when you're in it, 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 it really feels like it's that, that, that this is life and death. Sure. Sure. And that, you know, it can really be, you could really get caught up and, you know, running a, running a business, running any business, not just a startup, but, you know, particularly startups can be, can be quite an like stressful experience, I think. And, you know, but it isn't really, it isn't life and death. And maybe, it, maybe it's a good thing to, to remember that every so often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for being so candid about your opportunity or your experiences. Is there anything you'd like to, you know, share to any of our listeners, anything you're working on, any newsletters that are like you've, you've been listening to in the past? Regular newsletters? No. I mean, I've got, I've got quite a few. That you're subscribed pod- to? Yeah. I got a few podcasts, I would say. I do, from a daily newsletter, the only thing that I would say that I read frequently is The Hustle, which I quite like. Yeah. And yeah. Tech, I, The Hustle, TechCrunch. And then and here in Singapore, there's a, or in Southeast Asia, there's something called Tech in Asia. Yeah. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I, so, so I look at those, but I, I find that if you, you know, if you, some, you know, their job is to be as, as interesting as possible. So if they do their job, it becomes very hard for anybody else to do theirs because they're sitting and reading all these articles, you know? So, but yeah, <laughs> and those, those are some of the ones that I, that I, that I like mm-hmm. to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there any, or like any way for like listeners to follow you or like any, sure. I mean, they, they can, they can follow me on, on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest thing. And if they were to message me or, or get in touch with me on, on LinkedIn, I think if you just search Zalda store, uh, there probably aren't that many of them. So <laughs> I'm pretty easy to find. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Sal. We really, honestly, we truly enjoy that people are being very, very public you know, about their failures. And I know it's like very, very hard to talk about. So thank you so much for giving us the opportunity. No, no, no problem. I'm uh, happy to be part of it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And that was another episode of the Failure Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Failure Podcast. I've been Brandon Hundoko, and once more, I'd like to thank our friends over at Acadium for making this episode possible. If you think you could benefit from a hand in marketing and sales, make sure to check out their tool, which connects businesses with marketing students for three-month internships. Redeem your $50 discount just for being a Failery Podcast listener at failery.com slash get slash Acadium. That's failery.com slash get slash Acadium.